This is Take a Cue, Season 2, Episode 7. Welcome to Season 2 of Take a Cue. I'm Jen Wise, 4th and 5th grade instrumental music teacher. And I'm Eric Dunno, 8th grade band and jazz band director. We're two veteran educators with over 35 years of experience teaching music in New Jersey public schools between the two of us, and we're excited to bring teaching experiences and insights to you. So excited! Whether you're just starting out in your teaching career, or you've been teaching longer than we have, this show will help you grow with new ideas and perspectives about music education and teaching. We hope you'll be just as inspired as we are every time you listen. Before we begin, if you enjoy our podcast, please help us out by doing a few super easy things. First, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then make sure you rate the podcast and leave a review. It helps people find our show who haven't yet, and we really appreciate it. If you find that you get a lot out of our episodes, we'd be grateful if you considered becoming a monthly supporter to help us grow the podcast. You can sign up to make a secure monthly payment using the link in our show notes or on our Spotify for Podcasters site. Also, if you have questions or comments about anything you hear on the episode, come and interact with us on social media. We're Take a Cue Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Jen, I love this episode. You know, we've had a few on, on the lighter side as of uh, as of late, and uh, this one was not. This one was not. We really dug into some important social issues affecting a, a lot of people in our profession. I'm so glad we got to talk tonight. Yes, we have on. Uh, we had a great conversation with Dr. Amy Bovin, who um, just gave a rousing presentation at the Midwest Band and Orchestra Clinic. Actually, two, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. rousing presentations yeah. that were packed with people wanting to hear what she had to say. And we were really lucky to get to have her on. How did we? How did we come to have her on? The- podcast Jen Amy is the best and she was uh, in my my cohort at UConn and in the early you know 2000s when we were just kind of starting out in our teaching adventures and uh, we've kept in touch and she's done really great things researching women's issues in in music education and I think that's that's so uh, important and affects so many of our our colleagues we've stayed connected uh, all these years ran into each other at Midwest uh, not too long ago and when I saw uh, that she was going to be presenting this year I was like oh we got to get her on to share um, what she's been finding um, about issues facing women in specifically secondary programs uh, middle school and high school so if our listeners aren't familiar with Dr. Bovin, she completed her PhD in music education at the University of Hartford's The Hart School. Her dissertation was The Experiences of Female High School Band Directors, a National Survey Study. And she originally released this study in 2020 and then made an update to it in 2023 and presented that at Midwest again. Yeah, th- this was a fascinating conversation uh, with with Amy. I, I I think there is a, a glimmer of hope, um, but I think there's also some hard truths that the band world really needs to wrestle with. We both, uh, you know, shared some uh, personal experiences and some personal stories that uh, you know on, on this topic. Some of the research is is concerning, but knowing what I know about women and women in education, just having this conversation is going to help help move us all forward. So. Yeah. Indeed. I learned a lot uh, from this episode, so I hope our listeners will. There mm-hmm. are um, really important topics um, just just touched on today that hopefully will spark some new uh, conversations in your own professional lives. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Let's meet Dr. Balvin. All right. Welcome, Amy. It's so good to see you. So good to see you. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amy and I were at University of Connecticut together in, let's just say, the early 2000s. Yeah, we're in the flute <laughs> studio together and like yeah. wind ensemble together and stuff. So yeah, yeah. it was yeah yeah. I and it. I, it's been amazing watching um, you know all the the great things you've been doing since since then and and uh, we're we're so excited to have you here today. So. Oh well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. This is this is awesome. Like that you have your own podcast and stuff. So it's it's an honor to be here. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Amy. It's, uh, we we have a good time, right, Jen? Oh yeah, yeah, we do. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and and your your topic is so um, like the the topic of some of your research and everything. It's so it's so relevant to us in in Livingston, and it's um, I feel like it's really going to speak to to a lot of our listeners. So um, since UConn, let's okay, let's uh, what 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 have you been up to? Um, you know how how did we get here? How did we get uh, to your your research project? And um, I'm sure it's a, a long and and incredible timeline. But give us give us some of the highlights. So some of the highlights. So immediately after UConn, I got a job as the director of bands at Ridgefield High School in Connecticut. And that was kind of the first time that I realized that there is the ratio of male to female conductors. And of course, we know now, you know, gender can be on a spectrum. But just for this, we're just going to talk about male and female was the ratio was off. And I was at a Western region festival, which is an honor festival in the state. And I was sitting in the audience by myself. And one of the band parents came up and asked me why I wasn't on stage. And I tried to explain that I was one of the band directors. They didn't believe me. And then one of the band directors from Greenwich High School actually came over and kind of saved me. And he's like, I'm going to take you under my wing and you know, let's, let's do this. He's like, I'm going to be your mentor, whether you want me to or not. Um, But I really realized that I was more or less one of the only females that was in that room as a high school band director. So in Connecticut, you have to get your master's in order to keep teaching. And I actually started my master's at the Hart School. There was like a summer program, which um, Glenn Adsit, who unfortunately passed away recently, that he was, uh, you know, one of my big idols and kind of really steered me toward that. But then in UConn offered me a full assistantship. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like I get to go, I get to do what I want to do. I can study conducting where I found out that I was actually the first female to get that degree that for Jeffrey Renshaw, who was our wind ensemble conductor, and then who was my advisor for the program. I was the first female in 2013 to get the degree of Master's of Music and Instrumental Conducting. So now I'm starting to get a little bit of a pattern here. I got my master's, came out, was a director of bands at, it was called Bristol Eastern in Connecticut, which is the home of ESPN is where Bristol is. And I was like, okay, there's still not a lot of female band directors in this part of the state either. So there's something going on let's see how I can study this. And up to this point, I really don't have any sort of research experience. I don't have that much of a research degree. So I went, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go get a PhD now. You know, as you do one day, Mm -hmm. you're just 
going to go get a PhD. So I yes, applied. Not a, not a not a big decision. Just a, you know. No, yeah. no, no, feels, no. It feels good. Let's do it. That's yeah, like it just feels like goes off and you wake up and do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, I already started a gr- degree once at heart. Let's see if I can finish there. They have a, a program where you can do it concurrently while you're teaching. I went, this is perfect. And my very first interview for the program, they asked, what do you want to study? I said, I want to study female band directors. I said, there's something going on. Why aren't there a lot of us? This is what I'm here for. They said, great, let's do this. So my first study that I really did was it was in the state of Connecticut. And I looked at eight female high school band directors, one in every county, since there's eight counties in Connecticut, compared their experiences. I did a qualitative research, so more interview-based research. And I started to notice some patterns between the experiences that the female band directors were having in Connecticut to that of the research that's already been done. And I went, okay, so we're starting to see some patterns that there is a lot of support, there is a lot of positivity, but there's also a lot of negativity that's not being spoken about. And why? And why are women leaving the profession? Because I looked at the stats at that time And it was 2015, and the numbers were actually declining of the amount of women at the high school level. And I went, okay, like, let's let's learn about this a little bit more. So I kept going through my degree, and then I got to the point of my dissertation, and I went, well, I want to expand upon my research I've already done. So I did a quantitative study. I turned my interview questions from the first study into a survey, sent it out across the country, it has never been done before. And I ended up with over a thousand participants. So one of the largest studies of its kind. And like I said, I'm the only one now that had the statistics. Mm-hmm. And from that, I just started just presenting wherever I could. And I'm very lucky and grateful to say that since that, which was 2020, right before the world shut down, I've probably presented on this maybe close to 60 times. So right now I'm just trying to just get the research out there and really let people know what is going on. Um, I did a follow-up for Midwest this past year. And so now I get to see where those stats are leaving as well. So I know I kind of took a little bit of a tangential curve there, but that's kind of where I am now is, um, yeah, just, just seeing where the research leads. I'm kind of curious, before we get into the research, I'm a little curious about your background, Amy. Um, when you were growing up in uh, in the music world, like, you know, elementary, middle, high school and such, did you ever have uh, a woman band director? Nope. A woman conductor? Nope. I've never had a woman conductor, and I've actually never really had a female mentor, ever. Mm. I had women that I looked up to, such as Mallory Thompson in Northwestern. Like she was someone that I looked up to and I knew that she did a lot in the wind band world. And she was just one of the names that I knew, but no, there were no female conductors around me at all. Jen, did you have a similar experience? I'm I'm curious. Yeah. um, I, my first band teacher was a woman, but she was in, I think I had her for a month, maybe six weeks. And then she went out on, maternity leave and then we had a leave replacement and she was a woman and a real taskmaster but I learned a lot from her um but that was it 
uh, really, you know, all the way through until I got to um, UConn and some of the adjunct uh, professors were uh, women. Like I got to work with um, Kay Namasic uh, um, from uh, uh, one of the middle schools in, in Connecticut. And she really uh, brought us home, you know, in, in instrumental methods. And then um, my student teaching uh uh, cooperating teacher was a female middle school band director um, and she took on a high school position um, right as, down in Florida right after I was with her and so um, you know she she kind of moved through uh, through that she she had a really successful program in in South Windsor Connecticut so um, you know growing up no all, all you know male band directors but in college I, I was pretty fortunate to be able to have um, some women conductors and I kind of remember like uh, the moment that really clicked, you know, for for me um, was like uh, Tom and I were about to get married and we were in Hartford and um, it was right right when uh, um, is it uh, Carolyn Kwan? But got the mm-hmm. uh, yep right what that like the the month she was you know uh, got that that position as um, the conductor of the Hartford Symphony Orchestra we went to one of you know her first concerts as as uh, you know um, the musical director and I was just like whoa this is a moment for Hartford this is a moment for the state this is a big deal that you know she's in front of this ensemble and I kind of like I I I, I you know remember that pretty vividly in like 2012 like right around you know the time that that you were you're talking about Amy like uh was really look like wow this is a moment for 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 women in Connecticut in music anyway I felt like that so um yeah definitely looked up to her of course Mallory Thompson you know um is is uh, an amazing you know presenter and conductor and um but yeah yeah so similar experience one of the issues is just people growing up um not seeing themselves on the podium uh you know somebody who's like them on the podium is a problem and it's sure i mean it sure is like i think we'd all agree it, it sure is but uh but yeah oh, so I, I was just curious what your experience was amy and it sounds like your experience is very similar to a lot of people yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had some participants in all the different studies that I've done that have literally said, you know, when I ask, did you want to be a high school band director? And some of them went, well, I never knew that I could. I didn't know that women were able to do this. And this isn't 1950. You know, this is like in the 2000s. This is what women are saying that I didn't know that I could do that. So, you know, there's still this stigma that is not going away. Um, you know, should women be on the podium? Should they not be on the podium? And there's some people that feel very strongly that women should not be on the podium, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, have you have you ever run into somebody who just blatantly said this to you? Yes. Multiple times, yes. Um, almost every so every position that I've ever had, I had three different positions in Connecticut. After Connecticut, I went to Utah and did some postdoctoral work there. I was uh, the interim associate director of bands down at Texas A and M Kingsville, and all of the positions I've had, people have made comments about women uh, band directors. You know, we're, we're too emotional. There's that whole thing that, you know, if you're too nice, you're a pushover. If you try and be assertive, then you get labeled a bitch. If you, you know, try and do something in the middle, you're not authentically yourself. And 
and I have been labeled all those things and even more. And all I'm trying to do is just teach music to students. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had similar experiences. I'm in my third district now where there hasn't been a woman in front of a band. And so, um, you know, it, it does, um, yeah, and it affects the it affects the kids because I, uh, you know, I felt I feel that I felt this way my first time in front of the high school band in Livingston, and I felt this way in my previous district um, uh, that uh, I was received the same way by the students, and it's like it's it's a very strange feeling, but you know exactly what it is when it when it happens, you know, um, and uh, I your comments get uh, questioned like. Well, I'm, I, why would I do it that way? It's like, well, because it's going to sound better. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, a, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a very strange feeling. It's like, and, and, um, you know, it, you end up getting like tested a little bit and, um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. People push, push the, your buttons a little bit around you to just kind of see where your, you know, see where your, your limit is. So, um, I, uh, I definitely, um, I've definitely experienced that also, um, that it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's out there, you know? Yeah. There, there's mm-hmm. a little more representation now in Livingston, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that continues to lead our bands. Our, 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 as long mm-hmm. as I've been there, our bands have been pretty lopsided. Um, definitely I would want to say about two thirds boys and, and one third girls. And, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally we have some, some non binary people as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's never been an even 50, 50 split, so, at mm-hmm. least since I've been there. The, the data shows, so in 2001, it was 25% women. In 2015, it went down to about 20% women. And then it started to slowly climb, and now it's actually at about 30% since that. So from 2015 to 2020, the end of 2023, uh, it's about 30%. So it's, it's up. It's mm-hmm. up there. You answered one of my questions, Amy, and and actually I'm really surprised to hear that because I think during the pandemic we heard a lot about, oh, a lot of this is affecting women more than it's affecting men. There are more women leaving their professions, whatever, not just teaching, but in -hmm. in general, and not coming back uh, into the workforce. So I'm actually very surprised to hear that the numbers say that it's actually rising um, for secondary. You're just focusing on secondary and post-secondary, correct? Right. So what a lot of it is, is so when typically when women take over a position, it's not a well-established program. It's either a brand new program or they need to create a program or it's a program that has maybe had a revolving doors of directors or something happened in the program. And so what was happening during COVID is that a lot of our colleagues who have been in the profession for a while started to take early retirement or decided not to come back to the classroom and so that is going to be men are going to because they're you know primarily the ones who are the older generation and but you have all these brand new directors that are starting to come out and yes the tables are starting to not necessarily turn but there are more women who are coming out of music ed programs who are pre-service educators they need a job to go to so that's why the number is rising is because the men were leaving the profession so now women can come in and start to take those spots so it's a lot of the age is starting to shift too that it's a lot of younger directors that are taking over these 
these programs. And it's actually kind of comparable to what happened when women first started to take over in bands during World War II. That's the first time that women really got on the podium because all the men were off to war. And someone had to start leading these bands. But then men came back from war and all the women lost their jobs. And so I think that this is kind of, I mean, you can't really compare a war to a pandemic, but the you know, the situation is similar that the men are retiring and they're starting to leave. So now it's leaving positions open for women to start to take over. So I know this question has been asked for like multiple generations now, but I think it still bears um, discussing. And that is the idea of family dynamics of the particular generation that's coming of age now and becoming band directors now. Is it more acceptable um, to have a different work-life balance than perhaps it's been in the past? What, What do you all think? So from what the research is starting to really show is that So as we know, going back to really the first question, there's not a lot of female band directors. So there's not a lot to really look up to. So women, when you start having those conversations, you don't have a model to go after and you don't have that example. So a lot of women, because I asked women this in my, in all of my studies, you know, how has your job been affected being a mom, being pregnant, um, you know, if you want to have kids, if you don't want to have kids. And women are saying that it is absolutely possible to be a high school band director and be a mother at the same time and be pregnant at the same time because they did it and this is how they did it, X, Y, and Z, and having support systems like Jen, like, you know, your family and having that. But the women who have yet to have kids that want to are saying, well, it's not possible. I'm going to have to leave my job. And it's because women aren't talking to women, but it's just because there's not enough of that model to show, oh, wait a minute, she did it. How did she do it? Let me go talk to her about it. So that's where there's this disjunct in the conversation. And yes, it is becoming more common for women not to have children, maybe not get married, you know, to just kind of focus on our careers to do what we want and live the life that we want, regardless of what family or societal expectations have on us. But we don't have a lot of models. So as these models are starting to increase, that's when it's starting to become more okay. Like, yes, I can be a high school band director and be a mother and be pregnant. And I can see other people who have done it. How, how can we make that happen? <laughs> It's just honestly, it's just getting the conversation started and it's just having women conduct or connecting to other women that one of the big summaries in my research is that women need to start working together, that a lot of the negative experiences are not just coming from men, they're coming from other women. And a lot of the conversations are not happening that should because we're just not connecting with each other. Like we need to support ourselves honestly first. And if we start supporting ourselves as women, then we can become stronger and we can start passing some of these messages along than having these mentorship programs. And I do know that there are organizations out there that are starting mentorship programs like WBDI, Women Band Directors International, that they're starting a mentorship program. And there are, I can't think of the name right now, but there's um, two others that are doing the same. So once these programs really start to get off, if women will volunteer. The other thing is that a lot of women who have been in the profession, and this can come down to, you know, a self-confidence thing or just how we're viewed in the profession, don't consider themselves mentors. 
and go, oh, yes, I've been in this for 30 years, but I don't know if I could mentor someone. And it's just, you know, yes, but you have 30 years experience that can help someone who has three months experience. Like, even if you don't see yourself as a mentor, you're more of a mentor than you really think you are. And I think that we just have to be a little bit selfish in that regard and say, I've done these things, I can do these things, and can I help somebody else? really, you know, get that out. And that will strengthen a mentorship program because, you know, we can all probably name a list of male conductors who we look up to and are more than happy to give us advice. But sometimes women are hesitant on giving each other advice. I get that. Yeah. Some of the best uh, advice I got when I was transitioning from my uh, first job to my second, um, I was over at one of our, our colleagues' house, Jackie Sirocco. She was a band director in uh, North Jersey for, you know, for forever. High school band director. Um, this is Maya, by the way. They're oh, they're all over the place today. Hey, Maya. So. She's beautiful. <laughs> yes, she is. That's the problem. Welcome to the conversation, Aww. Maya. Aww. Um but uh, I, I, you know, was sitting down with Jackie, right, you know, right after well, while I was transitioning to, to a different district and I was considering a high school position. And, um, you know, I was so lucky to have her there because she gave, you know, she gave me some great advice that day. And she was like, you know, I pushed the sh- a stroller down the 50 yard line for 10 years. If you want to do it, just do it. You can make it happen, you know, and um you know, her husband happens to be a wind band conductor and is also, you know, very supportive and everything. But she's like, no, it can happen. You can do it. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. She did it. You're right. She's, she, and, you know, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, to have that, that voice, um, is, is really, is really important. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I would love to see those organizations grow and, you know, be able to reach more people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It will definitely help. And then the ironic thing is, is that from the stats that I have is so when I asked, you know, women, how much do you feel that your job is affected that men, I I did the same survey for, you know, male band directors as well. And men actually feel as though their jobs are more affected by becoming a father than women do being pregnant and becoming a mother. So men feel that their jobs are actually, yeah, that, you know, are more affected Mm -hmm. because now they have to think about uh, a child than women are actually carrying the child and conducting pregnant and having a kid. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely something to look a little bit more into as well. You know, I was pregnant in uh, the spring of 2020 uh, and I uh, I was slated to conduct New Jersey Wind Symphony that spring. And uh, I didn't think anything of it that I would be, I don't know, six months pregnant. I'd have a, I'd definitely be showing. I'd definitely look pregnant by the time I stepped in front of them. But it was one of my male colleagues that was like, you're going to, you're going to conduct the band being that pregnant. You're going to conduct the band being that far, far along. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Cause I do what I'm going to do. Like, I, it, it like didn't even click, but it, I was like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to do it. You know? <laughs> so, um, uh, that's, that's, uh. That's that's an interesting, uh, really interesting statistic. Uh, Amy, you don't have any kids. I have one, and he's three. And I'm still, you know, to, 
daily it's changing the way I approach my career you know what what kind of um, what what are you seeing from other people and and your own experiences you know with with uh, motherhood for me I'm having I guess kind of the the stigma of being, you know, a woman nearing 40 who doesn't have any kids and a lot of band parents and sometimes even other female colleagues, you know, just view it that I, it's going to affect how I am as a teacher because I don't have my own kids, you know, like, oh, well, you're not a mother. You don't know what it's like to have children. Well, you don't know what it's like to have a child and be around a child all the time. And you don't know this and you don't know that. And, you know, where you really look at it, teachers are sometimes around students more than the students are at home. And, you know, sometimes we as teachers get to see a student's true colors sometimes rather than how they are sometimes at home. Um, So I really start to get that and I've been getting it a lot more. And then, you know, I'll get the questions of, well, when are you going to have kids? And it's like, well, I don't know. And I don't know if I want to. And I don't know. And it has nothing to do. I mean, for me, it's a medical thing, you know, like I just don't know. And um, but I don't think that that should affect how I am as a teacher and how I am as a conductor or anything. So mm-hmm. that conversation, um, and I, and I do have some participants who have had similar experiences, especially with female administration, you know, with female administration, it seems like if the female administrator has their own children and the female band director doesn't, then it's like there's some sort of power dynamic there just in terms of being a woman. But a wo- being a woman shouldn't be defined by whether or not you have children. So it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that I think we see elsewhere in society. So a question that I wrote down, and I'm curious to hear from the two of you, if the wind conducting world had a more balanced representation of conductors, how would that feel? It would be great. I mean, we would have someone to look (laughs) up to and, you know, it really, it starts at the teacher that I I wrote an article that it's all, it's a cycle that, you know, we want more diversity in the classroom beyond gender, you know, just any diversity demographically in the classroom. But if you don't have the diverse teachers and how are you going to get those diverse students? And if you're not having, you know, the diverse students and the teachers and then, you know, you're not going to get new teachers that are diverse. And so it's like this endless cycle. Mm-hmm. Plus, I know that one of the big conversations in the band world right now, or actually in the music world, is diversifying the repertoire. Well, if you have more conductors who are diverse, then it's not really going so much out of your way, uh, you know, from conducting a dead white male, you know, composer that you get to just, okay, well, you know, I'm a female, I'll just help out my friends and my colleagues, you know, I'll just program more women or, you know, if, if it's race, you know, I'll just program more black composers. For me, it would be I'll try and program Jewish composers beside like Leonard Bernstein and, um, you know, actually like really get out there. And I think it would be a, a huge change. It would have been great for me to have a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And I I think, uh, you know, that's what education is all about. Besides being able to articulate your thoughts is being able to experience diverse 
perspectives, right? And like really firsthand experience diverse perspectives and, uh, and take that in and, and, um, and make it your own, right? So if you've got one voice in, in your head and one, one perspective in front of you all the time, um, uh, it, it limits your, how, how far you can reach in your own perspective, I feel. So like having that female voice, um, is i in, in our students' lives, I think is, I think is so important at, at any level. I remember, um, uh, before, uh, before Jenny, uh, joined us as our sixth grade band director, um, uh, I was talking to my fifth graders about district band day, which we do every year. And I'm like, oh, and you're going to meet Mr. So-and-so and Mr. Dunno and Mr. Hughes and Mr. Dubai and Mr. And they're like, are you the only, like if they, my students said this, are you the only female teacher we're going to have here? I'm like, yeah, this is it guys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and they're like, oh, that's weird. Like fifth grader language. Oh, that's, that's weird. I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's who we have here. They're all fantastic. So here you go. <laughs> We're going to the next level. Um, but you know, your, my students notice, you know, and, um, and, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's, that it would feel pretty good to give that perspective to everybody. So, yeah. 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 Represent, representation is, is so important. I was, um, I was remembering back when my oldest daughter was four, she's about to be 11 and, uh, and she is a, a wonderful 11 year old oboist, amazing kid playing the oboe. And, but at the time when she was four, she wasn't playing any instrument yet, but I, I kind of wandered into the living room and I, I kind of asked her, I, I looked at her like conducting her animals on the couch and I asked her what she was doing and she replied being a man. And that was like, my heart sank at that moment. And I was like, Oh, well, well, no, 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 no. And so we, you know, we looked up, uh, Alondra Della Parra and Marin Alsop and Beth Peterson and other, other great conductors on YouTube. But then I realized like she'd only seen me, the Morristown and Livingston directors and our choir director at church who were all men. And, uh, and, and at that moment, like it really drove home. And, and I wish I could say that, like, I realized this before that, but I, I didn't. Um, but it really drove home to me how important it was for my students to see themselves represented in the musical experiences that I create for them, especially, um, you know, being one of the, the majority. Um, and so I know when we, when we program, uh, you know, when I'll, when I'll show them YouTube uh, videos, I know it's so important to find a diverse representation of groups and ensembles and conductors and performers. And, uh, and like you said, uh, you know, making sure that our repertoire is, is, uh, is well uh, represented. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. So here's a question that was asked to me. <laughs> and um, I hate this question. Or, oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't a question. It was an answer to my question or, or me saying, okay, well, you know, we're working really hard to increase our representation on the library. And more than on one occasion, somebody said, well, what does it matter if it's just good music? I hate that question. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's yeah. like, yes, there's a lot of good music out there that just hasn't been explored because it just hasn't been given the chance that we're not saying that the music that is there is bad music. I mean, the ones that we know, the standards that we know, those that's the 
that's the foundation of everything, you know, that we have had these amazing male conductors, white male conductors and we and composers. And but there's been so many more that just haven't been given the platform to see. And just like, you know, there's good music and there's bad music and there's, you know, in between music and there's good music for this purpose, purpose mm-hmm. or that purpose or um, but it just hasn't been given the opportunity to actually be tested and tried as much as, you know, some of the other works that we've all played multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right on. You said it, Amy. It's like, there's, there's something out there for everybody. And it's like, we, we, uh, you know, if we can give, uh, you know, more people a voice, let's, let's do it. So, Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I hate when people say that, by the way. It just makes me nuts. Well, what does it matter who wrote it if it's just really good music? Well, for the longest time, nobody even had, like, n- nobody other than white guys had a chance to mm-hmm. even exactly. get their music out there to be heard. So, right. Right. And then it's, you know, it comes back to similar things about, you know, what women were saying, like they didn't know that they could be band directors, they didn't know that they could be a composer. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't know. So now that you can like it doesn't matter what your demographic is you can do what you want to do and that's what's supposed to be the point of at least this country um you know like you you should be able to do what you want to do and now that more people are realizing it i think we're going to be getting a lot more of those diverse voices and you know diverse colleagues Amy, I was wondering, you know, with in, in your research, what specifically were like some of the barriers that uh, women were facing in this? Like, besides, you know, not having that that role model to, to you know, look up to what, uh, you know, what what else did you find? So that actually wasn't necessarily one of the barriers. It was a topic that came up a lot, okay. but the, the barrier. So I'm, I'm going to be referring more to my quantitative just because of the amount of participants that I had for that. Um, I found that there were four main factors that women were really leaving the position or not wanting to continue as a band director. Um, the big one we've talked about a lot, which is motherhood and time commitments that, just being a mother, time commitments, you know, maybe um, instead of being high school, I want to be middle school. Maybe instead of middle school, I want to do elementary or I want to do something else or just leave the profession altogether. Um, the second one is extreme experiences and interactions with others that I had a list of 27 different personnel, everything from custodians to secretaries to administrators to athletic directors and just uh experiences with them a lot of you know verbal interactions or having those barriers with with budget cuts or um, issues with band parents or issues with discipline issues with students and maybe administration not following up and then the last two was sexism and ageism were two very, very strong ones. And for ageism, it didn't matter. Normally, ageism is referring to older ages, but this was actually the way that I did it was any age, that no matter where you are in the age spectrum, you felt that you were being, dis- that women feel that they're being discriminated against based on their age, that younger ones do not feel that they're being listened to or respected um, and kind of need to 
feel like they feel like they have to go through the ringer and almost like some sort of hazing in order to be able to be part of the profession where the ones who've been in the profession for a while feel as though the younger generations aren't listening to them and aren't respecting them and want to change and you know and there's some truth on either side of it but the fact is is that all women no matter your age are starting to feel like age is an issue um, so those are really the big ones. When you look at the negative experiences a little bit more, and I actually just pulled up my stats, um, I had, so for my 2020 study, we had over three out of four women said that they experienced sexism. 68% was ageism. About 64% felt that they felt discriminated based on their sexual identity if they identified on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Um, about one out of two said that they experienced some sort of mental or emotional harassment. Same number, one out of two, verbal harassment. And then about one out of five experienced sexual harassment as a female band director. So all of that together is really why women either don't want to become band directors anymore, don't want to stay, and are trying to leave the profession. Um, I mean, on your list, I'm like, oh, yeah, I felt that before. Oh, yeah, I've had, <laughs> I've had, yep. I've had that happen to me. And I'm like, I'm listening to your list like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and, uh, but... Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Um, um, yeah, and then I, when I did my follow-up study, I thought that the numbers would be getting better, and they're not. Okay. Everything has gotten worse. Um, that the one in three that experienced sexism is now past eighty percent. It's at eighty-one percent. Um, you know, the sixty-eight percent for ageism is now about one in three. The discrimination of sexual identity for LGBTQ plus is now at almost 95%. Um, mental harassment is now about 60%. Same with verbal harassment. And the heartbreaking one is sexual harassment or sexual abuse is now at 25%, up from 20%. So there's two ways of looking at those statistics, either that it is actually increasing and you know, that things are not getting better, that they're going the opposite direction, or more women are simply feeling the courage to speak out more about what is happening. Because I know that even looking back at my original survey, and taking a step back and looking at it as, you know, not the person that created it, but someone that could be a participant in it, I would probably feel uncomfortable being honest about some of the answers, just afraid that it would come back at me at some point. So I think that some of that is starting to be tore down and that women are starting to be ready to really speak out. And, you know, it's been um, the Me Too movement was, what was that, 2000 and. 17 was me too um 1819 and you know it's been s seven years since that but i feel like that now women are really starting to feel like they can talk so regardless of what it is the statistics are going up not down mm -hmm. oh. hmm. yeah, yeah that's discouraging i'm sorry <laughs> to just be like hmm. yeah but i know it, it, it is discouraging and you know i i um I want to, you know, I want to know, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about, about mentorship, but, 
um, what can we do, male or female, or you know, just anyone in the profession? Like, when, what can we do to to make this swing the other way? Um, really, honestly, just take any reports seriously. If somebody comes to you and says, "I feel uncomfortable about this. I don't like this," it doesn't matter how you personally feel. If they feel that something happened to them then you need to take it seriously because a lot of the things that happen is, you know, someone will come and be like, oh, I don't like the way he looked at me. I don't like the way that he touched me. I don't like the thing that she said to me. And they went, well, it's really not that big of a deal. Why don't you just get over it? Or, well, if it was me, I would do this. Okay. But to them, it like you don't know someone's background. So take those things seriously and you don't know what is not being said. If you, you know, receive a report about something follow up on it look at Maya up there There I just saw her I was like (laughs) um yeah like follow through that I you know I had an instance that I went to a female administrator with something and nothing happened and she didn't follow through with it and uh it should have something should have happened um for yourself you know don't one of the things that I think a lot of women are doing or a lot of we can even say people is that you start to gaslight yourself when you start hearing people say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, don't worry about it or just move on. Or, you know, do you really like, is this the hill you really want to die on? Don't gaslight yourself. Like if you feel strongly about it, go and do something because to someone it might just be an innocent touch, but that touch could lead to something more if it doesn't stop. And I think that that's really where the change is starting to halt or that barrier of that changes. Um, The other one is that it's almost like now, you know, we're talking about diversifying the repertoire so much, diversifying the classroom, diversifying this, diversifying that, and looking at all the demographics that when someone starts to talk about, oh, yes, but women – And, you know, we've been having this conversation for a hundred years or so, you know, women's suffrage was a hundred years ago and we're still having this conversation. We're having the conversation that our grandmothers and great grandmothers were having and, you know, and our mothers are hearing the same thing. And it's because we, we go through these waves of women trying to come and speak out and then it just kind of plateaus and then something else comes up and it gets forgotten about that this, yes, we have been talking about this for a long time. But there's a reason for that, that nothing is changing. So you got to keep the conversation going and just include it. Like, how are we supposed to diversify the repertoire if we're still having conversations that should have happened 75 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I get it. The fatigue is is real for some people, but, um, you know, it doesn't serve anybody to let let this conversation go. So, um, yeah. 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 Amy, I, I was curious, um, as you were looking through your thousand answers to to your research, which I'm sure took a, quite a bit of time, if you had any um, stories or comments that really stood out to you and maybe stuck in your memory I, for, for, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm curious if you would mind sharing any of those with us. Uh, yeah, obviously we're not going to put names or anything to them, but no, um, no, no. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's in my presentations that I do that I have five comments from 2020 and then five comments from 2023. The assistant directors for my marching band, I have no choice over their involvement in marching band. The district hires them. They have emotionally, mentally, and verbally harassed me on multiple 
occasions, frequently in front of students, when I sought help from my school and district administration, the behaviors of these directors was encouraged rather than stopped. My principal opened a meeting with all of all other administration and myself present with, quote, I don't know if it's because you are a short person in a tall person's world or a female in a man's world, but you're defensive as hell. So in this meeting, you are going to shut up and listen, end quote. Um, last one from 2020 that I'll read when I told my high school band director that I wanted to be a high school band director he told me that as a woman in the profession that I would have to accept that people would either treat me like a pushover or like a bitch and I would just have to accept that from 2023 where was the one Okay, this is a long one. The one that sticks out to me the most is from my first year where I was told that a grandparent was going to shoot me after I disciplined their grandson. I've been made to feel like I had to watch my back when leaving the school because of parent disagreements. When we have, quote, downtime at conventions or other events and other male band directors have been drinking, usually pretty heavily, there have been conversations that have been sexual in nature that make me incredibly uncomfortable. I did have a custodial staff member make me incredibly uncomfortable when I was working late one evening. He wouldn't leave my office until I gave him my phone number and he texted me immediately after with kissing and heart emojis. I ended up blocking him and was told not to work late. Like that's an option in this profession. So those are just some of the many that I, they didn't have to leave any comments. I was just going for statistical data, but the, I had hundreds and hundreds of comments from both of my surveys. And that's about, when you combine the two together, it's about 2000 women and just like hundreds and hundreds of comments of people that just wanted to get their stories out and just wanted to hear, or just wanted someone to hear what they were saying. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. it's so disappointing to hear things like that. Um, I, I I think it's important though, like you said, to to give voice to these these comments and to make sure that people know that this is happening and this is not okay. Right. Like these, right. These are not these. I mean, I would hope that most of us and our listeners listening would know <laughs> that like comments like these are really not okay, but clearly they're still being made and in right. large numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and it's the whole thing about, you know, the the good old boys club. And we always talk about, you know, everyone mentions the good old boys club. And even though it's not really defined, we all know it and have heard of it. And that's what women sometimes they want to be a part of. So, you know, the best way of being a part of that is just go along with the conversation. Um, because if you go and you stand and you say something, it makes it incredibly uncomfortable for people. And you know what? I think that that's what needs to happen. You know what? That's what needs to happen more is people need to allow yourselves to make other people uncomfortable. If you are uncomfortable and they're making you feel that way, you should say something and not be worried that someone else is going to feel that way because they're the ones that are making you feel uncomfortable. So I just thought of that. I fall in that trap all the time and then I catch myself later I'm like why did I say something that was so offensive it was so upsetting like why why didn't I have anything to say in that moment to just shut that conversation down I had a colleague in my first job that every you know female band director you know 
past the age of probably like 35 or 40, he just he just cut them down at the knees saying, oh, once they are in the profession for a while, they don't uh, they they don't care as much. They don't whatever. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, yeah, they're taking care of their family and their kids and doing all this. And uh, they have a lot of experience, so they might not need to work at it like you know uh like you might think and i just uh on multiple occasions he would bring that up uh about some of our other you know uh from some some of our colleagues in the profession and i'd be like man like why don't i have the right answer for this right now like why why don't why why am, am i not feeling uh you know like I, sh- I can stand up for this you know and it was like oh well maybe i don't have you know this experience like maybe i don't know what's going on in their classroom maybe you know and i used to like you said earlier you start to gaslight yourself you start to question yourself you start to you know uh question the the thing that you like you know that's a a crummy way to look at your colleagues like you know you shouldn't say stuff like that about other people's uh you know how they approach um teaching so uh yeah i fall in that trap all the time yeah yeah Yeah, and i i think uh uh, you know i i probably do as well jen you know Mm -hmm. i I can certainly think of times where people were joking around and and possibly saying things that and probably saying things that were were not 100 percent appropriate and although i kind of knew that they were not appropriate you know, like like you said, I didn't really jump in to stop it because I wanted to keep that collegiality, didn't want to alienate a, you know, a, a connection, um, something like that. So, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think it's just up to women to stand up and say that's not cool. <laughs> no, and that's a big thing is that, you know, men can absolutely help out a lot more I think that you know and that's why I'm so happy that men come to my sessions and have been reading my research and are you know looking to find out and want to learn how to be allies I think that that is absolutely incredible and now you know feed off of that and just look around and be aware and stand up and say something like hey guys that's not cool you know say something and just don't we got to not be so afraid of losing, you know, a friendship because someone made a comment. Because honestly, if that's going to ruin a relationship, was that really a good relationship to begin with? If mm-hmm. someone's saying something, you know, offensive and you call them out on it and then they're like, oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, really? <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's a really yeah, good I point. I think it's mm-hmm. everybody's job to uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. Were yeah. there any um, any sort of rays of sunlight positivity in your um in your research as well things that you see going in the right direction or or positive uh comments stories that were that were sent to you um the the big one i You're guess not, between... i hope by answering by asking this question the answer is yes <laughs> i hope there's something uh, in there. not really no oh, but um um People are feeling more secure in their positions if there's going to be some sort of budget cut. And so that actually speaks to music advocacy, which is fantastic that, you know, women or just, I guess, I mean, this is just women as my statistics, but they're starting to feel as though now post-COVID with everybody leaving and now everyone knows that if you don't want to do your job anymore, you just don't do, you know, you'll go get somewhere else that quitting is not as taboo as it used to be. So I think that people are feeling more secure and that uh, administrations are starting to support the arts more in some places, not in all places, but in some places than 
they are um and really the the big theme that kind of connects everything of you know because the question is well if women are experiencing all of that why are they staying and it's because of a love of band and music that there's just a lot of people out there that just love this art and love this profession and love all the different facets that you can go into being in music you know whether you want to do more with the marching arts maybe you want to do more of like a show band type thing or just a pep band or do a concert band or you know do jazz that uh, teachers are really just get, trying to come back to well why are we doing this and we love loving music you know caring for the students um, it seems like women have a closer relationship sometimes with students than men do and it might be that motherly aspect um, but those those are really I guess the positive things is just feeling a little bit more secure in positions and loving the profession despite that's everything great. that's happening. <laughs> yeah. 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 The big thing, unfortunately, kind of going off of what I just said is that, yes, women really love the profession. Um, but I did some fancy statistics. Uh, I don't know how well you guys are with stats, but it's called a chi-square where you just, you compare. It's, it's a comparative um, uh, equation. And what I came to find is that the participants who love band the most are the same ones that want to leave. Hmm. So, like, that's a little bit heartbreaking that we have all these women that just love it, that just want to be there. And unfortunately, they're the same ones that just know that they're going to be leaving someday or want to leave or have plans to leave because of all these other external factors that are happening. So if you, if we can make this i guess the summary from all this is that if we can get rid of all these external factors and just focus on what we should be doing which is just teaching the music like going in and teaching music to students that that part is kind of sacred it's everything else which is influencing what is happening it's not something internal it's all external yeah yeah so amy what's next for your um for your research so right now I'm working with a doctoral student on a study that we took my survey and we changed it just for uh, queer music educators to see what their experiences are. Um, it's from the statistics that I was getting and we want to look into that a little bit more and she reached out to me for help because she wants to use the same survey and so I'm helping her with that. Um, and then I, I'm going to just start really digging into these statistics a little bit more, expand it to male band directors a little bit more and try and get more participants and just really compare maybe even going beyond the band world and what is happening in choir. Um, I have a feeling that the opposite is happening in elementary music education, you know, with males in elementary music education, like what does that look like to them? So that's one route that I was thinking about going, but while still keeping this and really turning my study into like a longitudinal study where I just keep checking in to see are things getting better, are things getting worse and why. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have I have years of research from this one project, which is fantastic. And the ultimate goal is to start putting some of the stuff into a book that it's just becoming too large to really get 
published in a 20-page thing. I mean, this giant thing back here, with all those big books, that's my dissertation. Okay. <laughs> that that giant leather-bound book, like the, the two red ones and the black ones, that's my dissertation. So it's just it's too much to really start turning this into a 20-page article. Um, so for me, yeah, looking at publishing a book. Cool. That's great. Awesome. You're going to have to bolt yeah. that uh, bookshelf to the wall. So, <laughs> I mean, I got a cat That's holding great. it down right now with some Barbies. Yeah. So, you I know. see her. I see her up there. Oh, my gosh. She was on the fridge like yesterday. She just, uh -huh. I don't know what she's. This is like a new thing right now. Oh, no, she's part of the conversation. She's in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd be really interested to see, you know, in the next 10 years how things, you know, change on this topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've also had some people reach out in other professions outside of music to see if I could do a similar study in that profession and see what it's like, like in more in uh, like the corporate sector. Hmm. Um, because if you look at it, a band director is a form of a leader and it is a form of leadership. So what does this look like in other forms of leadership? So that could be interesting as well. Yeah. So you're going to be busy is, uh, yeah. is the bottom line here. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit busy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Oh, oh well, I, you know, I, we, I really look forward to seeing, um, you know, where this goes, what you do next. And, and I want to dive more deep into, um, into the research that you've already done. Cause it, it's really piqued my interest. Oh, um, awesome. But I mean, really the, the, the world needs this, the band world Absolutely. needs this, you know, it, it's really important work. Oh, totally. well, thank you. Yeah, if you want to look at it more, I do, I have a Google Scholar page, which is so cool because it just kind of like Google creates it for you, I think. <sighs> um, so all of my, I think all my studies are up to date that are on there. And then mm -hmm. my website, I believe, has some links as well. Okay. And uh, yeah, for want. our listeners, we'll definitely link those in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. And we're yeah. Yeah, so happy to have you. Thank um, you. I'm glad that, like I said, I'm glad that we found the time and that this works. This is perfect. Yeah. So thank mm -hmm. you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Well, thank you. Okay. Well, thank you again to Dr. Bolvin for that, that important conversation. Um, and please be sure to check out the show notes where you can uh, find her website, get in touch with her, um, and, uh, and get to, uh, to know more about what she's uh, doing in the future. Um, yes. If, if you really liked what you heard today, um, we'd love it if you'd su subscribe to our podcast, um, leave us a rating and a review um, so that, uh, you know, we can get, get some more people in on the conversation. Absolutely. And if you don't already, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and now on YouTube as well. You can see our our beautiful faces and uh, you know get all of the all of the experience of being here in the Take a Cue studios. And all of Amy's uh, you know, cat yes. cam like she had some serious cat cameos going on in the background. So <laughs> uh, yes. you, you gotta you, you definitely have to check in on, on YouTube on this one. So We'd love to get your thoughts on the episode, too. What are your experiences as a band, band director in any, um, any particular category? Um, what, what, have, what have you experienced? Has this been your experience or, or not? Uh, we'd really like to hear what, what your thoughts are on it. And uh, you, can, you can do that on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or, or YouTube. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Comment comment on any of our social media. Um, also in our show notes is a link uh, to become a monthly supporter so we can, uh, as we said, uh, keep this conversation going. Um, it all goes right back into the podcast and uh, we'd love to have your, your support in that way. So, um, Eric, I, I hope we're all going to keep get out there and keep having these conversations and and uh get out there and make some great music whoa sorry i'll do it again see if you if you if you were watching on youtube you would have seen the mistake here uh get out there and and make some great music there we go (laughs) cheers that's how it works right that's how it works